Welcome back, Arizona Nation. The Wildcats got a big win against Oregon this week. We're going to break the game down drive by drive. Excited to bring you another episode of the Arizona Podcast. Remember, we're the Echo Romeo Alpha Podcast when you enter your search. Remember to follow Gabe Encinas at Gabe underscore Encinas and Brandon Combs at U of A Bear Down 07. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Podcast Zona. Visit us on Facebook at the Arizona Podcast and email the podcast at Arizona Podcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to include questions, comments, feedback on the podcast. We're happy to have your information. So we're going to take a little different tact this week uh, with Brandon and Gabe. How are you guys doing? Good. How you doing, man? Excellent, excellent. All right, gentlemen. Normally we have so much to cover because we haven't been putting out podcasts, my bad, uh, that we are really trying to cover a lot of ground in the time we have, and, and oftentimes we'll even run two hours. This one's going to be a lot shorter. Uh, that way you can listen to the podcast on your commute to the game tomorrow, and it'll save me some time and effort in editing, and there's not as much for us to cover. So we want to take the time and go through the Oregon game play-by-play so that we can really enjoy this incredible win. I know I was really pessimistic, and this is the first time I think Brandon's picked against the Wildcats the entire uh, season. (laughs) So you knew how we were feeling going into this game. So um, so we start out, and um, Oregon wins the toss and elects to receive the ball. And right out of the gate, I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, move by Oregon. It makes sense. They're uh, an offensive team. I think it showed confidence in their offense, and they were going to come out and, and take the ball. Um, did you guys have any thoughts about them deferring or receiving, or is that kind of antiquated thought process in modern, uh, ultra-productive offensive college football, gentlemen? So I thought it kind of made sense. Um, I know both Gabe and I were at the game, and to me, I know it, like it just it, um, 
you know, the energy was kind of very up in the, in the stadium. So it kind of made sense just to see, um, you know, what, you know, what, what, what Oregon was going to do offensively, how the defense was going to come out and everything like that. So, um, for Oregon, yeah, they thought that, you know, they were, they literally thought like I read, um, staff predictions from Oregon writers and stuff like that. They literally thought they were going to go into Tucson and steamroll the Wildcats. So it made complete sense that the, uh, that the ducks decided to, uh, receive first. Yeah. I don't think you had to be an Oregon writer to think Oregon was going to come into Arizona and steamroll, uh, the Wildcats, but, um, it sure didn't turn out that way. Do you have any thoughts on deferring the kick? That used to be like a, a, a guaranteed no brainer, take the ball in the second half. Uh, and then now it's like uh, offensive teams take the ball, defensive teams. Do, do you think that's much ado, Gabe, or um, is there a legitimate strategy in that? Uh, I mean, I think it depends. Like under Rich Rod, I think I would always like to start with the ball first just because if you can score first, then you set the tempo, and that kind of gets things rolling. With the team this year, I don't really have a preference, I guess. I mean, the, the offense and defense, you, you don't really know what you're getting with the offense week in and week out, and same with the defense. So, um, you know, as far as Oregon starting with the ball, I you know, it wasn't – that big of a deal to me i just knew that you know it, it could get ugly fast i think i had my final score as 56 to 7 um but for me personally i think um if my offense isn't something where i can guarantee points in the first drive then i would like to defer in the second half just so that you know uh what you have to do or how you can you know no matter what the score is you at least know you're coming out with the ball you can either expand on the lead and i think that kind of affects the decisions late in the first half as well so for me unless it was like a, a high-powered rich rod offense i will take the ball in the first half but for now yeah i i think i'd defer with this team that we have now yeah, I, I agree with that thought process. So it's a quick three and out for Oregon. I thought the defense looked real good. I felt like the defense all season long has kept us in games um, with their ability to sort of keep us in a game when our offense is floundering. Uh, so I, I, I wasn't too surprised when we had a quick three and out there. It was certainly a uh, positive um showing from the defense so Oregon punts and then Arizona gets the ball back and JJ Taylor busts one off I think it was off to the left side there on one of those inside you know zone pull uh reads they love to run down the middle and then Khalil Tate uh hit Shun Brown for a couple uh nice completions uh and then uh, finally finishes it off with the long pass to uh, Sh uh Sean Poindexter for the touchdown on the first drive and it's 7-0 Arizona out of the gate how'd you guys feel watching that first drive so from the defensive aspect, PJ Johnson really kind of set the tone for the defense with the very first play. Um, Oregon has a very potent and powerful running attack, and uh, I think Tony Brooks James was the uh, was the back handed it off, and PJ Johnson was right there and stuffed it, and that was pretty much the 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 uh, theme of the night for Oregon's running game. Um, another thing too was uh, when Colin Schooler made that um, made that tackle on Dylan Mitchell to uh, uh, hold Oregon to a three and out um, after, you know, Mitchell and gained a yard on the, on the play. I mean, I know Collins probably been probably the best, one of the best tacklers this season, but he has missed a couple, but that should have show, kind of showed you the type of game um, Arizona was going to play the tackle. And it kind of foreshadowed the, the type of tackling that was going to happen uh, throughout the night for the defense. And then 
you know, moving on to Arizona, like uh, first pass was an incomplete pass to Sean Poindexter. He didn't really know what was going. And then, boom, J.J. just rushes for 21 yards, gashes the defense, um, and just, you know, the Cats methodically start mar- marching down the field. And then, uh, lo and behold, uh, you know, we're getting close to the red zone. Clute drops back, and Poindexter is just wide open over on the um, on the left side and just waltzes into the end. So it was really, really nice um, play calling on that whole drive. And I thought that uh, overall, uh, Noel Mazzoni called a really good game, and uh, that first drive definitely showed that. Any thoughts out of that first drive, Gabe? Yeah, I mean, on defense, I, I was real surprised that they were able to just get a three and out on that first drive. I thought that they were just going to march. It was going to come out seven, nothing. I thought, I mean, from the beginning, like, like I said, I thought it was just going to be brutal. And so to get a, a stop with, you know, three and out third and second as well. Um, you know, I thought that was really impressive for the defense and they set the tone early, I think. And then Arizona just started marching down the field themselves. And then some sort of a busted coverage there was Sean Poindexter and that was pretty impressive. That was all within the first five minutes of the game. And I, I don't know, there's just a, a pretty, pretty good feeling in the air at that moment. I was still worried about the defense at that point, but overall I thought that it was, it was the best two series, I guess, defensively and offensively that you could have asked for to start this game against Oregon. Yeah, I think you could make an argument that what Arizona hasn't had is a complete game, and you might even argue that this wasn't one just because the offense uh, took so long to get going in this game, but we're going to get to that. I would say calling it uh, busted coverage would be generous on behalf of Oregon's defense. Uh, Shine Poindexter was... You know, he could have waited for a city bus to show up, pick him up, and uh, receive in time uh, and travel in time to the end zone to pick, catch that pass before a defensive back got over there. That was absolutely. Uh, it, it was. Uh, it, so my seats are in the end zone, and so I'm looking down the field, and and you know everything's all the actions to the right, and you know that was the design of the play, but. But Tate looks like he's looking right, and then he does that, you know, that classic flip back because he knows the whole time he's going to go back there. And I literally did not even see Sean Poindexter over there. So, you know, from an a, a, an excellent wide field angle, you know, like 90, whatever, 80 yards away, I didn't even notice him standing over there until he threw the ball. And then I'm like, oh, my God, there's actually a receiver over there. I was just shocked when he let it loose. So uh, it certainly fooled me. Um so the next series, Oregon comes out, and uh, there's a couple quick uh, completions for Herbert, and I'm thinking, okay, well, they're going to come down the field, and we're going to maybe have one of these back-and-forth battles. But sure enough, uh, Flanagan Fowles uh, reaches in and breaks up a pass uh, to stop him on third and two, and they're punting again. What would you guys think about Flanagan Fowles' play in this game? He, he killed it. I think this was one of the best games I've seen him play in a very, very long time. I mean, it may have even been his best game of his career. Um, he only had one tackle, but that was probably, that was like the best tackle I've seen him make. And that's probably no joke because he was so, he was right there on, on the receiver once he caught the ball. And, and we, and we will get into a little bit later, but like he literally just uh, tackled him immediately and like no yards after catch, which was perfect. But um, this, the, the, you know, the pass breakup um, to end, end Oregon's drive for the second three and out was, 
just really the beginning of him. And honestly, he's he's had a after the BYU game, which he had a pretty pretty crud, you know, showing. He's actually starting to come along, and it, everything's actually been, you know, building up to this game. And he really showed like the work that he's put in this offseason. Yeah, this this was the Demetrius that you wanted to see after his sophomore year and heading into his junior year. And just over the last, his junior year definitely took a step back. I think statistically he did even better with tackles and interceptions. Um, but he just didn't have, I don't know, just that same playmaking ability he had as a sophomore. And then I think after the Houston game, I was already done with him. I think he gave up quite a few touchdowns in those first two games that were just terrible. Um, and I was calling for Scotty Isaiah and um, gosh, who else would have been the, whoever Jarius would have been the third safety, just having those trios or that trio out there. Uh, but he played a really good game and I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if he could have done much more. I mean, I know he only had a tackle, but those deflections were huge and, uh, he's really been coming along the last two weeks. And so it's good to see him out there. Um, I, I don't know who they've really been rotating out there at safeties. He's been, or I guess I'm, let's see, he's been at bandit or Bird. This, this was his first game at bandit in some time. I think since the Houston yeah. game. Yeah, and I would assume Bandit fits his skills better, as you mentioned, Gabe. I, I don't see him as – I mean, I think he can bring the lumber. He doesn't mind sticking his face in a fan. But um, I don't see that as a skill set. Uh, he's got oh, kind yeah. of that long, long reach, uh, lanky body build. And with three pass breakups, I think getting him moving in space um, – plays better to his skills but to, to Gabe's point we've watched a lot of him running down the field behind a wide open wide receiver over the last two years and so uh, this was a nice change to really see him feeling confident and aggressive and, and playing the ball tight um, so uh, a- after he makes that great pass breakup um, we get the ball back after the punt and there's the bomb from uh, Khalil Tate to Sean Poindexter like at the 10 yard line and I'm thinking Oh my gosh, we're charmed to this game. And there's a flag down there, and, and it looks like an obvious um, pass interference. And then over on the right sideline, the side judge has a flag, you know, the typical three feet out on the field. And I can't remember if it was for, uh, I think it was uh, illegal man downfield, our, our, our kryptonite. Uh, but at that point, I thought, oh no, here it goes. And um, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that play and how you felt when you saw that there was going to be offsetting penalties. I'll let you go first this one, Gabe. Uh, Yeah, that that was pretty devastating because at that point you're just thinking, man, if you can just keep it piling on Oregon right now, I mean, you're starting out, I think you're still, you know, not even halfway through the first quarter at that point. And that was just a huge play that, you know, just – came out of nothing and then just knowing that the drive afterwards ended in a punt that was just devastating but at the same time it was good to see sean active in the passing game early um he already had that first touchdown in the first drive um and i think that's something that i mean sean was kind of the guy that was this breakout kid through his final season at arizona uh you know i think he only had like 30 catches entering the season and we were kind of wondering if this was going to be the year. And I think that he's a really big part of the offense. And 
when you get him and Shun Brown going like you did against Oregon, I think the offense definitely takes a step forward. Yeah, I I remember seeing the um, I was I mean you saw it even in lot you saw it live like that was a blatant pass interference against Oregon, and I thought we were in business. And then um, the gentleman next to me had said something. Oh, there's a flag near the line of scrimmage. So I go back. I look back and I was like, oh, God, what was it? Hold whatever. Turns out it was the legal man, you know, legal receiver downfield, which which just killed. And uh, I looked over to my wife and I was like, yeah, it's a drive killer. And Sure enough, it was a drive killer. Like the Oregon, uh, sorry, Arizona didn't get anything going. Um, Devon Cooper had a very uncharacteristic uh, pass, just kind of bounced out of his hands. Though I think um, he had a the, rough game, don't you think? He really did. He's had a he's had a good year so far, and yeah, he just didn't have a good game. But I gotta say, even after, um, to me, like that that penalty actually kind of started Arizona's offense. Uh, kind of knocked the offense off its off its game a little bit. Kind of. Because they, they start sputtering a little bit afterwards um, before picking it back up. But I'll, I'll tell you what, Dylan Clough, like, did, did, I mean, just an absolute beautiful punt um, to down Oregon uh, inside their own 10-yard line and definitely flipped the field in a big, big way. Yeah, I thought he had one of his better games. Uh, he averaged 42 yards, and we talked about him having about a 45-yard average, but we talked about how many he had side, inside the 20 previously, and he had three during this game, and he had one 50-plus yard punt. So, you know, you got to take that into consideration, and there was a lot of drives that stalled, and we're going to go through all of them, um, and I think he played a good role. We didn't, you know, it's almost the antithesis of the, the USC game where he was shanking the ball offside of his foot, and we just couldn't get anything rolling and, and despite sort of USC's putrid performance um, you know we weren't able to respond in this game just I, I think Oregon's inability to respond was more a credit to the cats than it was a lack of ability on Oregon's part also yeah. I don't think I did a very good job pointing out the sort of energy there right we just scored the touchdown you know we made Oregon's defense look silly We'd gotten that great uh, incomplete play by Flanagan Fowles. He looks jacked up. He's coming to the sideline. They punt the ball, and I, I didn't include the part that Shun Brown returns that that punt all the way to the Oregon 44. So it's a 24-yard return. The The environment's electric, and the very next play is that toss to Poindexter. So as you point out, we end up um, having to punt the ball and clump places it very nicely inside the Oregon 10. But it was a little demoralizing, and you thought, well, we're only one score ahead when we really could be knocking on the door and potentially scoring again. Um, however, um, you know, we were able to stop Oregon again. Um, and, you know, but Arizona, um, what happened on that one? Arizona had the personal foul. That was no, no, that was on the punt. Yeah, yeah. So Snee uh, punts at fifty-one yards. He gets a boomer, but then we had a fifteen-yard personal foul, and it just backed us up. Um, any was that comments? the one? Was that the one where? Um, was that the one where Cedric Peterson's helmet came flying off because the Oregon yeah, in the middle of the player field right ripped there. it off? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And then the the ref like, oh yeah, let's get it. let's call Arizona for a penalty, but not even pay attention to the fact that uh, not only did Cedric Pearson get his helmet ripped off, but then got tackled by an Oregon player. Yeah, I mean that was definitely the retaliation penalty, right? You know, someone's messing with you, and then you you push back, and then you get the flag. So, um, yeah. any thoughts on the defense and, and holding them back and, and forcing them to punt from their own fourteen? I mean, the fact that it was the third straight three and out, I just was just like, 
you know, what's going on, like what's, what's gotten into the defense. And, and by the way, it was not a bad, what's gotten into the defense. It was definitely a good one. Um, Cause they just played lights out like in the first three drives and, you know, were like, yeah, Herbert missed, you know, missed Dylan Mitchell, but it was the fact that by that point, Arizona had started getting enough pressure and started, um, you know, getting in Herbert's face and, you know, getting hitting him a couple times, didn't get any sacks at this point, but just, just disrupting him enough to, uh, to, you know, throw him off his game. And it was, it was really impressive. The first three drives. Yeah. I mean, pretty much, I mean, you held them to what is that? 23 yards for the first three drives. And I'm not sure Arizona's defense had been able to do that in three consecutive drives against any opponent all season. And so, I mean, like you said earlier, Dax, like it, you wish you could have had some more points and really just kept your foot on the gas after that Sean Poindexter penalty. And, you know, it felt a little underwhelming uh, on the offensive side. But, I mean, the defense was just lights out those first three, four, five, six drives. Yeah, I mean, and they'd been like that all season, I think. is Not all season. Most of the season they'd been like that. And I think it's kept us in games. We could just never get our offense going. And we're going to get into that. There is quite a bit of that in this game. It was very frustrating through the first half. So Arizona gets the ball on its 20. Uh, Brightwell comes in for a series replacing uh, J.J., who had an, an amazing game uh, just, to, just to foreshadow his, his day. Um, J.J. Taylor had 20 attempts with 213 yards for an average of 7.1 which is just an incredible day from him. I think um, he ended up with 30 carries. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's insanity. Um, so uh, uh, Brightwell comes in to give J.J. Uh, uh, Taylor a blow. Uh, he gets an 11-yard rush. We get a little bit of space. Uh, and then a couple rushes for six yards, and then Tate's incomplete on a pass, and we're punting again. But Klump hits a nice one. He hits it 47 yards, and, and Oregon's back at their 16-yard line. Um, Thoughts on that offensive play? You had mentioned earlier, Gabe, you felt like with the Peterson, um, um, excuse me, the Poindexter offsetting penalties had kind of thrown Arizona off its game. Now we've had a couple uh, ineffectual drives ourselves. Uh, do, you, do you attribute to that to anything specific? Um, no, I mean, because like, like we've kind of talked about before, it's just like the Arizona's offense – been has just been inconsistent and so you just kind of hope that they can get something going from the beginning and so you know the defense like you said has, has carried them throughout sometimes but it's been the offense that's held it back and so you know you just wish that because the defense is playing so well against Oregon at this point you just hope that you can get something on the board just to kind of keep uh, pushing the lead a little bit and so those those next two drives were uh, you know, kind of killers in, in moment. Well, in momentum for the offense, I guess, but the defense just kept playing hard. And so it was just a little frustrating to see, you know, the defense playing so well and you're just not able to capitalize on offense. Yeah, I totally agree. So Oregon gets the ball on the 16 yard line and Brandon, tell us all about PJ Johnson. Yeah, this, this guy's a freak of nature. Uh, someone shouldn't be as athletic as he is. And he is just no other word to, to put it. He's just a playmaker. Uh, I mean, he's got already like has six and a half tackles for a loss and three sacks. I don't remember the last time I saw a defensive lineman have numbers like that uh, for Arizona. 
Um, but he, he, you know. Especially playing in the middle, right? I mean, it's not yeah, like he's exactly. out on the edge getting a chance to rush people or, or hit, you know, play against Lillard Duty. He's got to get past a, a guard and a center to get near anybody. And he freaking does it every time. And prime example here. Um, he, you know, at this point, um, you know, everyone's at least happy that that Oregon's backed up in their in their pretty far deep into their territory. But still, you can you can kind of feel that the frustration's building a little bit because we've all seen the inconsistencies that Gabe was talking about from the offense. Um, so, you know, not really sure what's happening and like what the offense, especially with the defense, everyone's wondering like, man, I hope the defense can, can hold, can hold. And uh, well, what do you know? They actually hold um, PJ Johnson, like just comes up behind Travis die and smacks the ball out. And then uh, a really heads up play by the freshman uh, Christian young, who moved over from safety to corner uh, during the UCLA game. And has actually been really, really solid playing at corner, but um, and, and then like the, just the, the, the stadium is for lack of a better word, just explodes. Everyone is just cheering and, you know, jumping up and down with joy and screaming. And it was just, it was a really, really cool feeling. Yeah, that was, that was an awesome play. So, uh, Arizona gets the ball and they're at the Oregon 21 and an incomplete pass from, uh, Tate. J.J. Taylor for five yards, and then that incomplete uh, pass to Ellison. I don't know. I, I don't really – at the time, I remember thinking, man, Elliot Ellison, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I remember thinking critically of his play on that particular play, but I don't know. Do you guys feel like that was on him or just it wasn't, nah, a, it wasn't a touchdown connection there? It was – It looked to me it looked like a kind of – like kind of an off throw from Khalil. Um mm-hmm. Ellison usually when the ball's right on him, like it's very rare that he drops it. So. Yeah, that, that's what surprised me. I mean, I don't think Ellison had a particularly, um, you know, good day for, um, you know, what we expect from him. Two passes, 19 yards. Um, I mean, you know, Poindexter only caught two passes, but both of them were touchdowns. Um, and I, I felt like it, it just wasn't his day to sort of be in the sun, so to speak. But I can't remember specifically if that pass was sort of one of the ones that you thought maybe you could come down with or if it was just never going to happen. Um, regardless, um, we take the field goal, and this uh, this becomes a trend for the first half. we got a 10 nothing lead. Kick off the ball. Oregon gets it. Here we go again. They, they uh, complete a pass for a first down. Uh, Verdell comes out. Uh, every time I hear this guy's a great running back, but every time I hear Verdell, all I can think of is uh, when as good as it gets that dog uh, that the guys had. So I, I, I just can't stop laughing every time they announce his name. Um, and then Herbert has two incomplete passes. I felt like Herbert in this game um, really missed a lot of potential targets overthrowing guys on long balls and even intermediate passes. What would you guys think about Herbert's performance in this game? Yeah, I, I mean, I know I'm not like the hugest top five pick campaigner for Justin Herbert, but I mean, the games that I've seen him play this year, I mean, he's made some phenomenal throws. But yeah, this one, uh, he just seemed to sail a couple balls that pick for Scotty Young. He definitely hung that one in there uh, for him to swoop in on that. And yeah, definitely not, did not look like the normal quarterback that he is. And just I think I mean that's just really threw off the off. I don't know if it was just him having an off night or if Arizona was showing him some different stuff that he wasn't expecting. Uh, if Arizona was, I mean Arizona was a lot more aggressive this week uh, than most. But I mean I I guess it was just the perfect storm for Arizona. 
Yeah, he was definitely hearing footsteps, I think, throughout the night, especially with um, all the pressure and different looks that Arizona's defense was giving him. You can tell that it was really throwing him off, and he was he was rushed. Like, you don't overthrow balls. Like, no quarterback really overthrows balls like that unless they're, they feel rushed. So, uh, yeah, it definitely looked like he was hearing footsteps all night. Yeah, I thought he had happy feet, and he just never looked settled in the pocket. So we get the ball. Um, we hit Ellison for a first down, a couple J.J. Taylor runs, and then we miss Cedric Peterson. Um, on a third and four, and Klump comes out and nails a pretty good one, 53 yards, uh, pushes Oregon back inside its 10 again. Um, yeah, it's three straight at this point. Yeah, I mean, he is absolutely – and he's blasting it when he's a blasted. And at this point, he had – I think he had one later in the game that rolled into the end zone on an opportunity like that, but that's the only one I recall off the top of my head. So Oregon gets a ball, and then boom, tackle for loss on that snap. And you're thinking, man, we're cooking with gas now. Would you guys think when that snap went out and the ball, like Herbert reached out for it, but the ball like literally hit the ground and bounced up uh, for, for Verdell to jump on. I'm thinking if that ball bounces a little more to the left, we're piling on top of that ball in the end zone. Yeah, I was pretty sure. I thought Arizona was actually going to recover that fumble. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, Verdell was right there for it. Yeah, I felt pretty good. I thought that it was going to land for Arizona, but I mean, that just would have been the, oh, that place would have been rocking at that point if they oh, were yeah. to get that. But yeah, I mean, I, at that point still, I mean, it just, I, the momentum was completely in Arizona's favor just because of the defense. And I mean, Oregon just didn't have an offense. So, I mean, at that point, Arizona was just able to jump on them. Yeah, I mean, even the snapper was, I mean, even the center was having, you know, he, he was looking, uh, he was uncomfortable uh, at the line of scrimmage there. So, I mean, it just felt like it was all come together. And I felt like, you know, the whole crowd, I remember jumping out of my seat when, when we saw that and down on that side of the field, the whole, uh, the, you know, those like 10 and 20 yard seats were really, you know, reacting to the play. And I thought, oh man, did we get that uh, fumble? Um, anyways, um, Herbert basically launches an arm punt and, uh, uh, Scotty young jr. Runs in under the air, the three flies up ball and gets it. But listen, I mean, we've had balls like that where our guy misses it. I mean, for Frick's sake, the Baltimore Ravens went to the super bowl on a play like that. Uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't underestimate the value of coming down with, uh, that soft lob. Yeah, no, especially um, um, and I, all three of us I think can attest for that. Once Scotty actually intercepted the ball, the place erupted. So, um, you know, even though I think everyone, it, it like everyone understood, yeah, it's like a good punt, but at the same time, you know, your defensive player made a play that um, I mean, who who wouldn't be happy about that? You know? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have that than even just like a ten yard return with better field position, just because that's just more juice for the defense and then just something to get into Herbert's head and just have him second guess everything at that point. I mean, I'll take all the energy you can get. Yeah. I think that's a good point, Gabe. Like it really, it's effectively in a punt, but to your point, it just jacks everybody up more because uh, of the type of play it's perceived as. So uh, Thomas Marcus jr. Uh, comes out and, and catches a ball. You guys want to talk about him? Yeah, that's that like uh, that's that's the first of many for that kid. He's gonna be something special, and I was actually uh, really really happy for him that he got his first uh, catch. Actually, it was probably the f- first or maybe second 
and slant that is actually successful during that night because most of the slants across the middle were were broken up or whatever. But yeah, it was pretty pretty cool to see him grab that grab that ball and fighting for yards and actually doing a really good job of holding on to it because about three different ducks came in to try to you know jar it loose or and tackle him. So it was actually really cool to see him get that catch. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to see him, and I thought it was cool just to see him. I mean, he's a true freshman, and they're throwing him out there in the first quarter. In a, in a meaningful you know possession here and i really didn't expect to see t- i i mean i know he has the red shirt rule and now he's he's free to red shirt but i mean i didn't expect him to make an appearance this early in the game or even in this game at all so for him to get thrown into there into the first quarter and make something happen that was pretty good to see yeah, I think, you know, he caught one pass. I don't want to make a, a mountain out of a molehill. But the fact that, you know, probably with four games left, he could he could play out the remainder of the regular season uh, and not affect his red shirt. Do you think this is a reflection of the coaching staff's evaluation of his future potential, especially with three seniors heading out in the receiving core next year? Yeah, I definitely think so. And, and- I think Gabe would agree too. Like this, this coaching staff's actually done a really good job of rotating freshmen in, in in different games and in different spots in games, just to get them that in-game experience because that's the kind of invaluable stuff um, that that they wouldn't get otherwise. And um, I, I'm actually very glad to see that the uh, coaching staff is taking full advantage of this redshirt rule. But um, I know that um, you know the coaching staff knows that Thomas is going to be good in the in the future and. Like he, like Gabe was saying, it's it actually says a lot about his development so far this year that they do throw him out there in the first quarter of a very meaningful game. Yeah, and and for me, I think it's even better that they let him kind of get through the practice regimen. They let him kind of see what he could do in practice, and now he's got you know three, yeah, three, four, three-ish months in in the system now, and now they're able to roll him out as much as they want for the last three games hopefully you can hit a bowl game and get some more reps for him. But I think it was pretty smart of them to hold him towards the end of the season so that he can kind of get his bearings over the first nine weeks of the season. And now they're able to roll him out. So uh, I like that thought process there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not aware of a significant receiving injury that pushed him up. So uh, presumably it's a, to your point, Gabe, a, uh, an evolution of him on the depth chart and reflects the uh, red shirt role. So uh, and if I can uh, start to interject Dax, but there's something else I wanted to point out too. So uh, Thomas wasn't the only one to get out there um, receiving wise. I actually noticed that drew Dixon was out there in the first quarter. Yeah, I saw Dixon. that. I, I saw a big old number one. I was like, what the, who's number one. <laughs> so it's actually nice to see drew Dixon actually getting some, getting some play now. Yeah, no, and especially being a Tucson kid, and so, um, and he's a redshirt uh, freshman, right? So there's no yeah. point, there's no point in him being limited. So um, it's just interesting that they came out now, whether they rose up through the depth chart, but it's not like Ellison was injured or Sean Brown was out or Poindexter right. was down, and so therefore right, yeah. the next yeah. game, these are clearly guys that are getting the opportunity to go out there presumably based on their hard work and progression on uh, on the practice field. So, and, yeah. and, and nice for us to see the next generation and nice for us to see a Tucson kid too. So um, loving all that. Um, so 
Stanley Berryhill, uh, best smile on the team, uh, catches a nice 11-yard pass. We get a couple runs from uh, Brightwell. Another incomplete uh, pass to Ellison, um, and we're kicking a field goal. So here comes that trend. Now it's 13-0, to and you're starting to feel the doubt creep in like, oh, man, we've had all these opportunities at Poindexter Pass, and, and now two opportunities inside the 20, and we have two field goals. So that great feeling we had with that Poindexter misdirection pass for the first drive is really starting to fade, especially mixed in with several three-and-out plays. At this point, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, man – you know, there's ha- you know, there's three quarters basically left in this game, and we have a two possession lead. This yeah. probably is not going to hold up. Uh, how are you guys feeling early in the third with that 13-0 lead? Yeah, for me, I, I just felt like there were a lot of points left on the board, and it just made me more nervous. I know the defense was lights out, and you know, at least you were scoring points and, and getting some drives going. But for me, I was just all I could think about was just all the points left on the board and how you could beat up at least 21, nothing here. And so, I mean, it was still definitely frightening for me. It it was not a comfortable 13 point lead. Yeah, I agree with Gabe. I thought that um, the offense was definitely left too much, too many points on the, on the field and didn't, didn't capitalize on, on really good field position or momentum that they were actually had because they actually were driving down the field very nicely. So uh, it's just kind of frustrating to see it drives in that way. But fear not, Arizona, or Oregon gets the ball back. They start the drive on their 25 uh, after a touchback on the uh, kickoff, and it's incomplete pass, incomplete pass, incomplete pass. <laughs> so we're yeah, that last one. Yeah, the Burns made a hell of a play on that last one, though. Yeah, and he got a he got a pass breakup uh, credit on that. I think Burns has been solid especially with uh Whitaker out for big chunks of this season w- what's the status of Whitaker and where would you guys rate that because uh, you know we were really counting on him to be there because our cornerbacks were going to be thin we had the whole how how, how uh you know uh <laughs> giving up too many plays and then leaving the team and all that nonsense I think Lorenzo Burns is largely underrated for his contributions to the secondary this season. What, what do you guys think about that and Whitaker? And, and is Whitaker a candidate for any sort of uh, additional playing time because of his missed uh, playing time this year? So I think that, well, first off, I think that Burns was definitely under undervalued and underrated at the beginning of the season. I saw many, many a time that people thought that uh, he would be leapfrogged over because um, they thought that he wasn't that great. Um, but you can definitely see all that game experience and picking on and uh, what have you that he got last season is actually starting to translate into like actual growth and development. And yeah, he's, 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 he's quickly catching up with Jace um, in terms of like cover corner and being one of the best that, that are in the pac 12 in my opinion. Um, as for Jace, I think that um, I mean, he could see, he could see uh, playing time, but I can also see him um, grabbing a medical red shirt and either playing in Arizona next year, um, which I think is, is likely or, uh, you know, possibly grad transferring moving on. But I'm, I'm hoping that he actually gets that medical red shirt and stays with uh, Arizona because if you get, if you get him back and then Burns playing at this level, oof, it's going to be nasty. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact deal with Whitaker. It's, I find it odd that he dresses out but does not play. 
Um, so I guess that's something to monitor over the next three games. I wonder uh, what his thought process is for in terms of a red shirt and his opportunities for next year. Um, going into Lorenzo Burns, I mean, Whitaker was, is, is, was, at least last year, he was the lockdown guy. And I think that really helped Lorenzo because he got picked on a lot and he uh, definitely grew from that. And so now I think, yeah, he has solidified himself as a, a number one corner. And I totally forgot. I do remember when Tim Huff was, you know, kind of creeping up, people were saying that, oh, Burns is going to get jumped as the number two guy when Whitaker is out there. And so, yeah, he's played really well this season. And I think that. You know, he's he's a really good option going forward if Whitaker, you know, decides to go elsewhere. I'm comfortable with Burns and then hopefully you can snag Bobby Wolf in recruiting or even Maurice Gaines. I'd be comfortable with him out there. So um, I'm really happy with what we've seen from Burns so far. Yeah, I, th- I think our cornerbacking crew went from a potential weakness to maybe a really solid group uh, with the development of the season. And uh, although I assume Whitaker is an injury, but maybe it's a performance issue, as, as you're alluding to. So uh, Herbert does his best impersonation of a penguin in happy feet for three straight plays. And uh, they're getting ready to punt. And here comes Chacho, and uh, he blocks the kick, and we've got the ball on the Oregon six-yard line. I-, I was sitting in my seats, and they were kicking from from us to the other side of the field. Arizona was coming towards me in my seats, and I saw Arizona lining up for that punt. And I, I had my three uh, three of my older kids with me, and I turned to my daughter, and she's a pretty sporty uh, fan for for um, a girl. Sometimes girls aren't super into football; they're just there uh, for whatnot. And but she's a little uh, jockey. She played a lot of soccer, and she's more into the, the strategy of the game. And I looked at her, and I said, "I think they're lining up to block this." And sure enough, boom, they nailed it. Did you guys see that it looked like they were coming with the pressure there? I didn't see the pressure coming, but I remember watching. I was watching the punter roll out, and as I was, as he's rolling out, I see an air like Chacho right there. So I'm like, this guy can't be really kicking it, can he? Can, does he see him? And then boom, oh nope, guess he didn't see him. And then Chacho, you know, blocks it. Kylan Woolborn comes in and almost made it to the end zone. Yeah, I was so like screaming for him to make it in. I was like, run it because our offense couldn't score a damn touchdown. <laughs> It's so it was so crazy though. Like Chacho got there so fast that I don't think anyone really understood what happened until the block was the, the punt was blocked. So it was kind of kind of an interesting play to watch develop. It was really, really quick. What'd you think, Gabe? Did you think that was a designed I mean obviously the goal is to block the kick every time if you get the opportunity. But clearly there's times when you call, we're bringing the pressure, and other times when you're gonna set up the return. Was that an attempt to block it, like let's uh, play all our cards for Arizona, or was that just uh, an individual effort? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think at that point, I mean, your defense has been lights out, and you've got them pinned pretty deep, and you're just coming off that three and out. So I think, you know, why not take a gamble? You have Sean Brown back there, and he can make guys miss on his own. You don't really need to set up some blocking for him. Um, but I mean, that play happens just so fast. Like I really didn't process it until afterwards. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just a, to see a big play like that on special teams was very encouraging now at that point. And then 
you're getting the ball just shy of the goal line too. So things were looking pretty good right there. Yeah, so we're there, uh, first and goal, Oregon of the six. Um, J.J. Taylor, one-yard rush up the middle. Uh, Khalil Tate with a couple incomplete passes, and we're kicking another field goal. So now it's 16-0. to zero. And despite the excitement of the block punt, I'm really sweating the whole we can't kick the ball into the end zone or uh, punch the ball into the end zone. Um, so Eric, I, I want to cover the next Oregon drive and then and then dovetail off that particular uh, set of frustration. So Oregon gets the ball back, um, you know, a, a rush, a pass, another rush, and then um, Justin Herbert hits a 20-yarder uh, pass. Um, on um excuse me uh, yeah herbert breaks out and goes on a rush on third and nine gets a first down so you're thinking oh man we almost had him and then um uh herbert hits mitchell for 29 yards and they score the touchdown um subsequently um oregon lines up and then herbert makes that crazy rush in to score uh, on the two-point play which you know i was like whatever at this point and so i now it's 8-16, and it's still a one-score game. And social media is going crazy about Tate and his inability to punch the ball into the end zone. Uh, what would you have to say about that, Brandon? So uh, I, I, I kind of agree because watching uh, the J.J. Taylor rush was an RPO, and it was one that I personally think that uh, Cleo made the wrong read on because he could have easily – uh, made into the end zone. Uh, and then the two passes were, uh, well, the first one, like it didn't even make it, it barely made it past the line of scrimmage before uh, uh, the Oregon player, I think, with, uh, yeah, Justin Holland smacked it down. And then um, I did not understand the pass to the corner of the end zone with, with, uh, with Peterson. And it has, nothing ah. to do with, it has nothing to do with Peterson. It was literally the fact that he had an Oregon guy like in position um, it, it just didn't look good from the get-go, and I have we like it was clear that that's where Cleo was going from the get-go. Like that's it, it didn't matter. He didn't even do any reads. He just like Whoop, I'm just gonna go to uh, to Cedric, uh, and you know, and then we kick a field goal, and that was, in my opinion, a very squandered um, opportunity, especially since we had it at the Oregon six-yard line, and you know, we come away with one yard and a field goal. So it was just like. Ugh. Yeah, Brandon just reminded me like how angry I was after that drive because, I mean, how many times have we seen Khalil just give it off to JJ and he's got some room to run and, I mean, you're just on the six-yard line and you don't, you don't uh, there's just not much left to go. And then, yeah, going back to the third, third down, I'm just never a fan of a goal line fade. I just feel like it's a very low percentage play where it's just – you can. I feel like you have a higher percentage of getting a pass interference than you do coming down with the ball. I mean, unless you have Sean Poindexter going up against a five eleven kid, I just don't see it. And so for me, that was very frustrating. And uh, to settle for another field goal at that point, it was just very, very demotivating. So you guys are both on the Khalil Tate hate wagon at this point. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it was a hate wagon. It was more like, what are you doing? Like, what the, the hell are you the doing? The perturbation wagon. Yeah. I'm, yeah. The disgruntled wagon. <laughs> disgruntled. Everyone here is very gruntled. 
No need for consternation. Everything is under control. Michael, last Friday, one of your employees attacked another employee in your office. It was a crime of passion, Jan, not a disgruntled employee. Everyone here is extremely gruntled. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed at this point. Yeah. <laughs> that technique is going to work well for you when you have kids, Gabe. I'm not <laughs> mad at you. I'm just disappointed in your choices. <laughs> uh, allow guilt trip to set in. Especially with Oregon going for two, you thought, all right, whatever, you obnoxious turds. I mean, I get it, but good gravy. It's like, you know. Can I get your guys' opinion on something? On Like, with, with like, you know, Justin Herbert busts out the 20 yard run, almost, you know, almost sack, whatever. I, I actually want to talk about the two point conversion. Did anyone else think that he actually made it in for his knee was down? Because it definitely, I mean, it was close. They re, they reshouted it, but I mean, it's so hard to tell if his knee's an inch off the ground or not. I don't know. At that point, I'm throwing my hands up. I'm like, between the miss, <laughs> the miss sack and then that thing where he managed to squirm in between two dudes. And I, I thought that was on us. You know, if you, if you don't want to make it that two-point conversion, us, yeah. hit that kid and stop him from getting in the end zone. Like we'll talk about later. <laughs> uh, did you want to comment on that, Gabe? Did you think it was a two-point conversion? or do you um, I mean, yeah, me personally, I don't think. I, I initially, when I first saw it, because that was like right where my seats were, I was kind of like on the goal line of that, what is that, the west side of the stadium. Um and yeah, I didn't think he got it to begin with. And then I, yeah, just, they just kept showing the replay over and over again. And I was like, well, yeah, like you said, his knee, you know, might not be down and they already called it as good. So it'll be hard. I don't even know if that is reviewed or I, I mean, it is a scoring play, but I don't know if it, it counts as an official review, but yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was good, but at that point now I'm like, great, it's a one possession game, and yeah. uh, we're not even halfway through the second quarter, and we've played lights out on defense and had multiple opportunities to make. Oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah at this point, in 20, 28 point game, and we've got sixteen points. So yeah, at at that point, I feel like you could have had twenty eight easily. So I personally think this drive dictated the outcome of the game, but I'm also very anti any one player or any one play really determines the outcome of the game. You know, we always analyze particular situations and and momentum swings, but I I think most people who are analytical and and watch film uh, and coaches with lots of experience, you know, listen, that play could have happened a hundred other times uh, based on execution. And so, um, you, you know, you got to look at the cumulative effort, but we all tend to hyper-focus on things. So I think if you're going to put a lot on a play, I think it's the next play. So Arizona gets the ball and, and we're taking the drive in these meticulous chunks. So it's a JJ rush for seven yards, a JJ rush for two yards, a JJ rush for seven yards, a pass to Sean Brown for five yards, a, a pass to Sean Brown for three yards. Uh, um, Khalil Tate rushes for five. Um, there's a face masking penalty, and we get 15. Um, Sean Brown, Sean Brown for five. JJ Taylor for nine. Um, JJ Taylor for mi- minus one. Tony Ellison for eight. And then we get down to Oregon's 21, and there's three minutes left in the game, and it's fourth and one. And I thought to myself immediately, like, just go for it. I mean, you know. E- you may not even be going to a bowl game. You were huge underdogs in this game. And actually, we should really 
go back and revisit the spread. But you're an underdog in this game. I thought a bigger underdog. And so Arizona calls a timeout. What do you guys think about that timeout? And what were you guys thinking about? Go for it or no, go for it. So I was hoping that they go for it and just pray, please, God, don't freaking go for another field goal. Just go for it. And when the offense came back out and the ensuing play happened, it was just primo. That was what everyone was hoping for. What did you think, Gabe? Yeah, see, for me at this point, I feel like I was actually on the side of, all right, let's just take the field goal. I just, you're close. I mean, you're right on the 20 pretty much, but I just feel like, all right, just give me the points before half. Hopefully you can uh, stop Oregon. And then I guess, like we said, you know, defer or receive. You, you can stop Oregon. You can kind of game plan up into, you know, the first hopefully four minutes or so of the sec- uh, into the second half. So my thought was take the field goal, stop Oregon. We'll see how much time you have before halftime. And then you get the ball back. So I would have actually been okay with that. And then at the same time, just fourth and one, I just wasn't feeling good. Arizona hadn't been able to do much in the red zone to begin with. So I was like, all right, just, just give me the points at this point. But it worked out. So J.J. Taylor runs up the middle for one yard. We have eviscerated <laughs> end zone all season long for calling this play. And he calls it and it works. And, of course, we're ecstatic. Oh, is this, is this um, stubbornness? from Mazzoni. Uh, is this the offensive line coming together? And we should spend some time talking about the offensive line and the alignment. Why don't, Brandon, why don't you run down the offensive line alignment and what, what you thought of how the guys played in the particular configuration for this game? So I thought they played great. Uh, we had Lathe Frake over at uh, left tackle. We had Cody Creason over at left guard and then McCauley obviously at center. And then uh, Bryson Kane started at right guard before he bounced with an injury, unfortunately. And then uh, Michael Illetise uh, took his place. And then, uh, you know, we had Donovan Lai over at a uh, right tackle and th- these guys played lights out, like absolutely just lights out the whole game. They absolutely owned uh, Oregon's front seven in any way, shape and form. Like, um, and that's a decent front seven. Yeah. That, that front seven was second in the pac 12 coming into that game with, with in rushing defense. And that's, that's, pretty good it actually very much reminds me of us dismantling washington state last year um and like they they just like even even see the funny thing was even when uh bryson kane um came out and michael elatise came in there was no lapse they just kept playing like like maniacs and owning that line of scrimmage and uh, and I mean, we'll talk about it later, but, uh, there was one instance in the fourth quarter where Michael had the, the, the probably one of the best blocks of the game, uh, that broke JJ for a, a touchdown. So, I mean, it was, it was really, really impressive to see, um, the offensive line play at that. I mean, that was not, that was not the offensive line that everyone was worried about start the season. That was not the offensive line that everyone's like, Oh, it's a little crap patchwork, blah. I mean, I, I, I prop, you know, props to, to Coach Gilbert, man. He's he's definitely gotten that team, that that group ready to play. I love it, Brandon. That was awesome. So, Gabe, was this was this stubbornness by Mazzoni, or was this the offensive line coming together and he had confidence, or a little bit of both? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think, like Brandon said, I mean, the offensive line's been 
up to this point and throughout this or yeah throughout this game and over the last few games they've definitely been playing a heck of a lot better and like you said with joe gilbert i mean he's made something out of nothing and he's moved guys around to different positions he's starting a true freshman at right tackle uh he moved cody creason from tackle to guard he's got a walk-on playing center so i think he's done a great job there and they've done a great job over the course of the season as well and like you guys were saying it's a great front seven they got jalen jelks who's like a top 10 projected pick uh, and he's out of phoenix too um and then mazzoni yeah a one yard run especially i i'm just not a fan i love jj taylor i think he he can handle a full workload of you know 20 plus carries 30 plus yeah 30 plus for this I mean, yeah, they're just rolling with the hot hand, and Brightwell is out. But, you know, to to go with him, I mean, you're just hoping that he can slip through a block, I guess, at that point. But, um, you know, I would much rather have probably had Gary Brightwell in there just because he's a little bit bigger and probably fight for a couple more inches. But, I mean, J.J. gets the job done. Speaking of uh, Brightwell, have we heard any updates on whether he's going to be available for this game? No, I have I I don't I haven't heard anything. I knew it was an ankle injury, but because like uh, the play he got hurt, his ankle did something funky. But right, it looked like a non-contact ankle, and then the Oregon guy tugged on it afterwards, right? Yeah, it didn't look. Yeah, it didn't look good. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it worked. He called it and it worked, and it, and I was sitting up there dumbfounded because I'm like JJ Taylor up the middle and. <laughs> How many times has this failed this year? And the guy is like saying, go for it. So, I mean, I'm like, well, I guess if you beat your head against the wall long enough, the wall's going to fall down. It's just maybe, you know, tough on your head. And so, you know, you know, I, I thought excellent clock management. We get the first down. We hit Sean Brown. He runs out of bounds. I mean, we, we finished that drive, and there was still, uh, you know, a minute and 39 left in the clock. I thought we almost left Oregon too much uh, think too much time but listen to score the touchdown jj taylor up the middle one yard i mean it was you know How after another jj taylor up the first. This year? yeah i mean i, I would think i mean you can go back to the usc game and that was like 10 in a row yeah houston too uh, yeah houston, houston was brutal watching him just get destroyed in the middle um but anyways uh, you know there it was it worked and 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 to brandon's excellent observation i mean the number two uh, rush defense in the pac-12 i mean you know troy die is going to be uh, you know, a legit sunday uh, player and you know we're running right at him so um and then that nose tackle for oregon oh what's that kid's name he has to be oh jordan Jordan Scott. Yeah, that kid has to be 350 pounds, right? I mean, he is a freaking. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I remember. He, um, gosh, yeah, he's a Florida kid, and that was there. He was like a meme when he committed because he was just so big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, he's like a butt plug in there. You're not gonna. It's Constipation City down the middle there. So, anyways, Oregon gets the ball back, and um, and you know they're really trying to make something. Uh, happen with that and I think Arizona you know plays it nicely Um, you know you initially kind of started out like thinking oh man they might they might threaten to do something here but it just looked like that that drive was never really going to go anywhere despite having multiple plays I mean they, they they ran six plays but they basically moved the ball you know nine yards and so um 
you know, the first house comes and all of a sudden we're up 23, uh, eight. And I just, um, my boss texts me, he's like, probably a little bit before this, I should give him full credit for his clairvoyance. Cause I didn't feel confident when he sent me this text, but he's like, he's like, this is going to be our one game. We would beat a highly ranked team. We have no business beating. And, uh, so spoiler alert, everybody's listening to this knows we beat a highly ranked team and we announced that at the beginning. So I guess it's not that much of a spoiler alert, but I, I think it's, it's a, a good tangent to take. I think, listen, we're sitting here now in the pac 12 and as far as the standings go, uh, third, uh, with three conference wins and three conference losses right behind USC, Utah's clearly in the driver's seat. But let's take a little time and talk about this. Utah goes down t- to ASU. ASU just came off that very emotional USC win. Listen, USC was playing with its number three, back, number three quarterback. They're lucky to have a guy on scholarship throwing the ball. Their number one defensive lineman, number one linebacker, and number one defensive back were all out for the game. But in fairness to ASU, this is USC. They have more depth than almost anybody in the conference to handle those kinds of injuries. And, you know, I think it was like watching an episode of of Hold My Beer between Herm Edwards and Clay Helton uh, making ill-advised punts late in the game on short fourth and uh you know, first distances, but, um, you know, we, we don't need to belabor that. If Arizona beats Colorado and Utah, ASU can beat Utah. I don't think SC is going to lose to Oregon state. We're right there hanging with USC. Now we don't have the tiebreaker on them, uh, but who knows what's going to happen with them, but we're legitimate in a position where if we can sweep, not only can we go to a bowl game, but we can legitimately contend in the PAC 12 South. So, the, the question I propose to you two gentlemen is, was this our one fluky win against a, a highly ranked team? Or is this a start of things coming together? And I think obviously the, core, the Colorado game means a lot. But what, with Washington State coming up next, you know, how, how do you see that playing out? I mean, it's interesting because I, I think I was just having this conversation with myself on my drive home thinking about this Oregon game where it's like, yeah, this is, you know, your, your top 25 upset that Arizona's had all but one year over the last six years. But then at the same time, it does feel like Arizona has been competitive in, in quite a few games. They fought with UCLA with Rhett Rod the entire game. They grinded out a win against Cal. They came up short against USC if they would have just produced anything in the first half. But now it seems like I do feel like they're kind of turning the corner. They're starting to put more complete games together. And I think this definitely gives, especially a very young team, a lot of confidence going forward. I do think that they beat um, Colorado this week. Washington State, that, that one's tough. I mean, I just I can't see them going up to Pullman. Like, if they're not competitive in that game, I can't really – you know, it would have been like Oregon. If if Oregon would have came out and won, you know, I can't really, you know, beat my head against the wall on that one. And then ASU, that's obviously, I guess, if you if you uh, are fighting for bowl eligibility at this point, you need to win that one. And it could definitely be a winnable game in Tucson. But I do think that this was a game that, yeah, it – it is the big upset, and I think everyone kind of got up for it, and it's a top 25 team on homecoming night. Um, but I do think that this team is starting to come together a little bit more. And 
uh, we'll see what Khalil Tate can do the rest of the season. Assuming, I mean, it's, he definitely seems a lot more healthy than before. He's not just hobbling all over the place. So it's going to be interesting to watch these next three weeks or four weeks, I guess, with the bye. Yeah, for me, I I tend to agree that it's the team coming together and they're turning a corner. Um, Gabe alluded to it big time, like. You know, even go even even with the BYU game with a loss by five points, you know, like it's just this team has been right there in all but two games, and that was Utah and in Wash. Uh, sorry, Utah and uh, uh, Houston, which by the way, Houston scored forty on everyone that they've played this year, and. and- They've only lost one game, and they're like – I think they're like 16 in the coaches' poll. They weren't in the college football playoff poll, but yeah. they're, they're a good team now. And if you actually look at those two games too, and I'm sure you two can agree with me, they were just – they just felt weird. I don't know if it was the time or the – like, for instance, like Utah was a an away Friday game after, you know, Arizona played – uh, that Saturday, so like it was just weirdness or surrounding both those games. And, and Houston and nothing... had that incredibly early start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, it, but if you look at you know BYU, USC, uh, and 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 UCLA, like Gable, like UC, BYU, we lost, the Arizona lost by five. If uh, USC lost by four, UCLA won. So they've been competitive in every game that they've played. Um, so I, I, I agree with Gabe. This is definitely one that, um, you know, that, that I feel that the team is definitely coming together and, and, and has already turned that corner um, to, to being a team. And, like, besides that, this was the most complete game that they've played all year. So this kind of shows us, you know, as, 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 you know, observers, fans, reporters, what have you, um, what this team can can potentially do when they play a complete game. Yeah, I, and I, you know, I didn't want to launch on a huge tangent there, but I, I think that's all important things that kind of relate to how it's all coming together. Because really, at this point, I'm thinking, ah, Oregon can come back, but I'm starting to believe. And so we get the oh, ball yeah. in the second half. Khalil Tate comes out, and I'm on social media, and I'm arguing back and forth. And listen, I didn't go on social media to defend Khalil Tate. I, I have had – listen, I supported Brandon Dawkins, and you can argue how foolish a position that was. But I've had my concerns about Tate when he was competing against Dawkins. And so with the ankle and, you know, is he ready to go? Isn't he ready to go? You know, is this effort? Is this injury? Is this – you know, we've, we've – you know, you could – you can analyze this ad nauseum. Is this Mazzoni convincing him that he needs the addition for the NFL? Anyways, so Tate comes out. I wasn't sticking up for Tate. I was just pointing out that, like, if it wasn't for Khalil Tate, this team wouldn't, you know, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was a Heisman candidate. Obviously, you can knock him for how he's performed this year. But he's the reason we even had a season last year, and it's he was the reason we came into the season with some anticipation of good stuff happening. And I've argued from the start our defense was going to have to pick us up. So here we are, and it's the first pass out of the first half, and Khalil Tates throws that garbage interception. And I'm just like, well, Arizona can't have nice things. So at that point <laughs> – what are you guys thinking about Khalil Tate's performance? I mean, obviously we've been critical of this point, but he did lead that great drive, you know, albeit JJ Taylor converting those fourth downs. And um, is it his ankles? Is is it is it him? Is it the context? What do you guys make of all that? I think that 
part of it was his ankles. I don't think it is anymore. Um, I think part of it was his ankles, but part of it is like he just he just can't go through all of his progressions. It just seems like he's gotten better than he was last year, but he's still incomplete when it comes to his progressions, you know. And uh, well, I think that throw definitely showed that. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you just kind of scratch your head, like because. This 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 interception very much reminded me of some of the ones they had last year with like, like there was you know leading that comeback against USC and he just had an, you know, like all three of his interceptions were just forced ill-advised throws yeah you're yeah. like don't throw that Tate and then the ball goes up in the air and you're like good lord yeah. and it, it's that's what this one felt like to me yeah I mean for me in terms of injury or progressions and all that. I do think the injury was a big part of it. Noel Mazzoni kind of pushing him to be a pro style type of guy or get him to the league. You know, we still don't really know how much that played into it, but we did know that uh, there were maybe week five or six. I don't remember when it was, but Cedric Peterson was uh, in an interview and he said that, Tate's definitely trying to show off his arm a little bit more or something to that degree uh, where it definitely seemed like, all right, Tate is definitely looking to pass more, but now I just feel like, yeah, he's not making his reads like Brandon said, but it's almost like he's thinking more and still not making the right plays. And so I think last year he just looked more natural where, yeah, when he's feeling pressure, he's going to run. And, you know, that was his dual threat nature and, like you said, Dax, I mean, Arizona was allowing, what, 38 points a game last season, but he was putting up 300 yards on the ground and 200 in the air and putting up 45 points on teams. So, I mean, yeah, he is the reason why Arizona had, you know, some success towards the tail end of last season and all this hype coming into this season, why we thought we could compete for the South. Um, but yeah, now it's just, it's, yeah, this pick was definitely – I felt okay at the end of the half. I was like, all right, this is still a two-possession game, but you're going in, you get the ball at the half, and then he throws this. And then just like you said, I mean, I was like, all right, this is where Oregon's going to come out with a quick score, and then Arizona's going to start to sputter, and then Oregon's just going to take over from there. So um, it's it, – yeah, just a lot of emotions right there with Khalil Tate for sure. Yeah, it was like a microcosm of the season in one play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, you know, all the emotional roller coaster was all for naught. Herbert tosses another a couple incomplete passes, and Flanagan Fowles gets another of his three pass breakups, and they're punting back to us. So they down the ball on the Arizona four-yard line. And I'm like, listen, guys. And, I, and I, I've already made the argument that the – the second to last drive of the half, the first, the penultimate drive of the first half by Arizona was the, uh, the point you could argue we, you know, made or broke the game. But I was sitting there watching them on our four yard line and I thought, here's your chance to grind it down the field and, and score, you know, at the very least flip the field and really put it on um, Oregon. So JJ Taylor, and this is the one you're, Alluding to earlier uh, with the LATS block, right, Brandon? Why don't uh, you no, not not, not, not this, this one? one. But okay. this was still this was still a prime example of how the offensive line block because he just 
he just hit the man. He just hit the hole and was just like gone down the field, you know? Yeah. And like you're saying, dude, like you're saying like, Holy crap, we're down at the four yard line. Like our offense has been kind of mint today, you know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, and everyone's down from the Khalil Tate interception, like Gabe was talking about. We're like, oh, and then, uh, yeah, JJ kind of like relieved that with the 64 yard sprint down the field to the, you know, the, you know, deep into Oregon territory. So like, okay, well, at least we'll score some kind of points most likely. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was a great play. And then uh, at that point, uh, I guess Brightwell probably was out by this point. Did he get injured in the first half? I can't remember where he got injured, but yeah, Rascal came it was in at the, this point. It was in, I think it was in that long drive down the field when uh, uh, that's when he had this, like, that weird ankle um, yeah, tweaking the, or injury. Yeah, you can see on the replay as he's coming to make contact with the line, he his foot just hits funny and then – and then when he's down, the Oregon guy, like, I don't think he was trying to injure him. He, he wasn't pulling a Vontez perfect, but, um, you know, I thought that he, you know, he didn't, he wasn't in, none too kind on his ankle. So um, Khalil Tate uh, pulls the ball a couple times and rushes out of bounds, and he's looking largely ineffectual and doesn't have his normal burst and, you know, likely isn't making the best reads on either of them. But uh, he rolls out to the left, goes out of bounds, and Oregon um, – <clears throat> Uh, gets a holding penalty, and we still move down the field on those two plays. So then we're down on the Oregon 13, and we get a holding penalty. And I'm like, oh, man, like this is not the time you want to be making a mental mistake. And, and to this point, I still haven't bought into it, uh, you know, like, hey, this is going to be – we're going to take this. And so it's first and 20 now, and Tate hits Brown for 10. J.J. Taylor hits five. Tate hits um, point extra for eight yards on third and five. And you're like, boom, we got our, you know, we got our touchdown. And, and it just seemed like, I don't know, like easy is not the word that you probably should use for it. But, gosh, it, it kind of felt that way. And the execution was just so outstanding. I don't know. I was just super impressed with how the team performed. How did you guys feel about that drive and what it meant for the outcome of the game? It it was huge. It definitely showed the offense bouncing back. Um, you know, showed that they could still like they. I mean, they recovered from like you were saying. They recovered from a holding penalty, which like you're down inside the red zone. That's not what you want to do. But they bounced back nicely. Um, Poindexter did a really good job of boxing out the uh, Oregon defender. Uh, he definitely used his body to get um, in front of him, and then just used like his his really good hands and strong hands that he has, and just hauled that pass in. I mean, Tate. Tate couldn't have thrown a better ball, honestly. Um, he put it right where it needed to be. He put it right where only his receiver could get it or no one. Um, so, yeah, that, that, was a, that was an impressive drive. Yeah, for me, I think it, it was just really fluid aside from Creason's penalty. Coming off the interception, I th- that was just a great way to get back into rhythm for the offense. And it just looked smooth. And then for Sean to yeah come in and pull that one down, um, everything, you know, worked in place. And so at this point, it's, yeah, it's 30 to 8. So then you're feeling a lot better at that point, 10 minutes to go. Um, but then, I mean, you're still just nervous. That like I, I don't know if that was just me, but I mean I, I felt like I was just nervous the entire I just felt like something was gonna go bad. Yeah, you know, I had that feeling the entire game up until that 
including the first and 20, I thought, oh, here we go, another field goal, Oregon, et cetera, et cetera. But the way Tate orchestrated that last, you know, conversion, I just thought, war charmed tonight. There's no way Oregon's going to win. And at this point, it was all gravy for me. So I was uh, just enjoying the rest of the game. So uh, we, we, we kick off. Um, or Oregon gets a quick first down uh, with a couple uh, rushes by uh, – and then has a subsequent rush by Travis Dye. And then um, Herbert uh, throws an incomplete pass. And then we get that incredible sack by Tony Fields. And I think we ought to start a lobby um, – uh, a petition for him to change his number to 11 because Tony Fields, the second number 11 is going to look great. I think it's going to look much better for him. So that's my um, strong recommendation. Um, thoughts about when Herbert went down on that third and seven play. I mean, so for me, I remember it was, it was definitely at some point early in the third when I was still a little nervous and they're dropping back to pass. And I just remember, I think for multiple plays in a row, they just left a ZZ Hearn out there like on an Island. And I'm like, man, they're just something. They're just going to roast him right here. And just every time he dropped back, I was just watching a ZZ and I, I love him. I think he's a good rotational guy. And I was calling for him over Tim Huff at the time. And I, that, I thought that he, I think he's played really well, especially as a walk-on kid. Um, but I, I was super nervous. I felt every time someone's gonna get, someone's just gonna get past him, they're gonna burn him. But he held his own, and they weren't even looking his way. And I feel like if that's, you know, a, a guy like Herbert where he can make all the throws, I feel like that was just poor on Oregon to not attack a walk-on corner, and they were leaving him completely wide. I think Demetrius was kind of shifted over to the left of the field on this put at this point. And, I mean, Tristan Cooper was kind of out there, but if he gets past Hearn, I mean, it's it's good night for for him. And so I was nervous every single drop back at this point, every time I saw him. But when Herbert went down, that was just a sigh of relief. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a great play. And, and you know, we've talked a lot about where, where Tony's been this season and, and, you know, the expectations we had from him. And he hasn't lived up to, you know, I think our lofty expectations after his great freshman season. What'd you think about his performance tonight, Brandon? I thought it was uh, probably his best performance of the season. Really. Um, I agree with Gabe, like <laughs> with his easy, like he he's, he's, he's been good at times this year. And then he's been, you know, looks like an inexperienced uh, corner out there, but uh, he actually did a really good job holding his own. Um, he did a good job of forcing his receiver to the sideline, which was exactly what you want. Um, your cornerbacks to do, um, especially since uh, most of the time the uh, quarterback overthrows those, which uh, in his pass to Jalen Red, it was exactly that. Um, and then, um, you know, like there's still that, that feeling like Abe was talking about, like, okay, well, there's something could go wrong. And when, when Herbert passed, you know, dropped back and, uh, I thought that was one of those times until right about the time when uh, Tony Fields blew through the line. I'm like, oh, never mind. Uh, and then you know Fields crashed into him and and, dro- and you know dropped him. So that was that was a huge sigh of relief. It was a it was a big win, especially after coming off a, a scoring drive for uh, for the offense. So that was kind of like a full team win, so to speak. That um, the defense was doing their part, but at the same time the offense did their part as well. So it was really really cool to see. 
Yeah, Tony Fields has uh, four solo tackles, two assists for six total tackles, uh, 1.5 tackles for loss, and then that sack we talked about. So, you know, I, I think it was all around an outstanding performance for him. So um, hard to criticize. Um, don't call it a comeback, as we like to say. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. We get the ball. Um, again, we have another incomplete Tony Ellison. I feel like that was the theme for the evening, but say la vie. Um, and, and we punt the ball. Oregon gets it. Justin Herbert's overthrowing everybody uh, within a, a you know a, for you know a country mile of them. And then we get the ball back, and um, and Oregon's you know bringing the heat. Um, we have a holding penalty uh, on that first down um, uh, that sets us back. And so we end up having to kick the ball off. And um, the punt goes up, and the ball hits the Oregon player in the leg, and Bert Lorenzo Burns recovers it at our 48. And at this point, I was already convinced, like I pointed out, like I felt like we were charmed um, at this point, and especially on that, like I said, on that first and 20 down on that last drive. But at this point, you're like, you know, we can do no wrong. If you, if you got them, smoke them, buy your lottery tickets, whatever analogy you like to use, because, you know, a play like that going Arizona's way, you know, it happens. It just doesn't happen very often. So when they were replaying that, did you guys think we were going to keep the ball? I didn't. I, I don't know, man. Um, you know, they called it. And then uh, I, I mean, I was just kind of confused as to like what happened. And then. Um, I saw Lorenzo, you know, Lorenzo come up with the ball and then like the Oregon players, like the, the returners, like grabbing the guy that it hit and he's just like, you know, trying to talk to him, like saying, what the hell are you doing? And then, uh, you know, they showed it and I'm like, oh, there's not enough evidence to even remotely overturn this. So the call's at least going to stand. Um, so that was, yeah, that was an interesting, uh, tidbit, but I, real quick, I do want to go back to the, the previous Oregon drive. The second incompletion that Herbert had was that big hit that Tristan Cooper had on Dylan Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Thanks for taking us back to that. So, good point. My bad. Let's uh, rewind. So, Justin Herbert, it's third and eight, and uh, Mitchell is running a – Mitchell's jogging a crossing route about five yards deep. And um, – and who who laid him out? Cooper? Yeah, it's Tristan yeah. Cooper. Yeah. Tristan Cooper brings the woodshed and he does it as technically proficiently as you possibly can. He leads with his shoulder, hits his guy dead in the chest, and someone needed to call 911 because Cooper murdered Mitchell on that crossing route. 911, what's your emergency? And he separates him from the ball, and it's an incomplete pass, and it is one of the most beautiful plays. And social media just blossoms like a beautiful desert rose at that <laughs> moment. And I was mere, I was basking in the glory of that moment. In fact, I remember jumping up and screaming, uh, get him a body bag a la the Karate Kid. So you okay? Can you go on? Get him a body bag! Yeah! All right. <laughs> what did you guys think about that and the subsequent commentary by Cooper and the response of the Oregon media? Yeah, so I thought uh, – actually, Gabe, I want you to – since he was your, your boy from 2016, I'll let you start this one. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm for whatever reason, I just have a thing for safeties, and they've been my favorite commit each of the last four years. And Jackson Turner is probably going to be my favorite, although I go back and forth. But anyways, uh, yeah, Tristan Cooper, I mean, just one of my favorite guys. He was a two-star kid out of El Paso. If he played anywhere else in the country, he would have been a three-star. I feel like in L.A., he's a top 500 kid. Um, and I mean, he's, he, his, since high school, he's just been a big time hitter, just aggressive, just downhill type of guy. And so to see him and I, he kind of got bumped here and there from the lineup. He got bumped completely last year for, uh, why am I, oh, Dane Krukshank. And then this year kind of Scotty Young takes over here and there at Spur. Um, but here he played pretty much the full game and, the ball i mean that play i definitely saw it that was one that for whatever reason i just saw it in like slow motion where i see mitchell going on the cross and then cooper's coming downfield and he just times it perfectly um and yeah just commits murder right there and so i was happy for for tristan really good guy and so i mean not not quite to the level of will parks i'll, I'll give will parks that um hit on jordan villaman a few years ago 2015 maybe um and then yeah his commentary afterwards probably probably not I, we were talking about it earlier before we recorded but probably not exactly what you want to say afterwards but i mean it's it you know i some of it got taken out of context sure and um, you know, he talks about how it was a clean hit and he does wish, you know, I guess football fans and players alike all wish that, you know, there was the helmet to helmet big time hits, um, you know, we're all for player safety, but we do miss those hits. And so, and now Oregon is pretty much putting a, uh, an X on his back and they want to, you know, pretty much repay him the favor next year. It seems. Yeah. Go, I'm sorry, Brandon, go for it, man. Oh no, you're good, man. So I was just, I was going to Gabe kind of said it like the first, first thing when I saw uh, Cooper hit Mitch, I was like, Oh, that's like shades of Will Parks. Um, but man, yeah, I mean, like Will Parks knocked Jordan Villeman like uh, like a clear clock across the globe. So, but. so do you guys think the scale should be a full Will Parks? So this would be like a point nine Park, or it would be a point eight Parks, <laughs> yeah. or I think it's a nine out of ten. On, so you're gonna give Will it a point Park nine scale. Parks. The best you can be is a full Parks. Yep. Yeah. I got a point nine. A point um, nine Parks. So that'll be our new thing. Hashtag point nine Parks. But I mean, it's just like. You know, it, it, like I remember talking to Gabe because, like, when when Cooper committed, this was around the first time I think I started um, uh, actually talking with Gabe and getting into like writing for AZ Desert Swarm. But like, uh, and Gabe was very very high on Cooper. Like, and I, you know, Cooper was a physical player, liked to hit people. I mean, what the? F- that's why you play defense. You want to hit someone, right? So, um, you know, and and like I, I agree. I think that. He, to me, it's the Oregon uh, media just doing anything they can to do kind of like a like a because uh, they I, I even saw what they they not once did they give Arizona any credit for what what the Wildcats did throughout the night uh, to them. They just said that Oregon played terrible. Um, didn't give any credit to well you know the defensive line like rushing Herbert or anything like that. So this this, this falls in line with that to me that they're just trying to do anything they can to 
either smear the Wildcats or blow it off or anything like that. Um, this is definitely uh, trying to paint Cooper in a bad light. Um, I mean, Cooper's a really like down to earth kid. He's he's respectable. He's you know he's just a he's just a football player and he's a physical football player and he likes to hit people. What the I mean, who doesn't want that from a defender, right? Um, and it's not like he tried to lead with his helmet. I mean, he they're trying to paint him like you know. Uh, perfect here and he's he did a very nice clean uh football play it was just a hard hit i mean who doesn't want that from a defender well you know there's a big difference between your words and your actions and certainly you know we we gave ellison a hard time about his words but i think his actions are that of a you know hard-working good teammate you know good kid you know gritty tough possession receiver the kind of guy you want on your team and and this kid executed a flawless technically perfect lead with the shoulder hit the core of the the in fact he didn't even dive at his knees like a lot of professional players are pissed off when a deep defensive back goes low on them because yeah nobody hit their heads but now their acl's blown out and, and their season's over and uh and so this guy delivered the hit that the nfl and 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 football wants and so he, he maybe his 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 verbiage subsequently was like he wanted to bring more physicality or lead with the head or whatever, but his execution, you know, was, I think beyond criticism. It, it was perfect. So there's, I don't think there's any X to point. Yeah. He talks Mac. Plenty of people do. Um, but I, you know, that play was at that point, I, you know, I was just rolling with it. This was, I, you know, I felt like, you know, we were swimming in gravy at this point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one thing too, I will say, I, I like that um, multiple um, teammates, um, you know, that are current Arizona players and even former Questy uh, Mashak was one, actually commented on this piece by the Oregon media and uh, actually rose up and and for, uh, stood by Cooper. Uh, so I thought that was just pretty cool. Nice. So um, we talked about Lorenzo Burns getting that uh, funny. Um, uh, punt uh, bouncing off the Oregon players, and then we go right down the field and we get the uh, Shun Brown uh, kicking it on the breach in the corner of the end zone play, and probably some frustration with Oregon. I think um, you know someone was pretty pissed off and got two unsportsmanlike contact calls in a row, um, carpet at the refs because he felt like the unsportsman conduct call on uh, Brown would never have happened if the Oregon player hadn't hit him late and yep. perhaps some, uh, some, uh, sour grapes on Oregon's, uh, side there. Um, what'd you guys think about that and how awesome was Sean Brown's uh, pose there as he slid into the corner of the end zone? Yeah, I, I love the penalty. I tweeted about it after the game. I just like that. Kevin, someone's still fired up for his team. They're up 38 or 37 to eight at this point. And I mean, it's pretty much in the bag at this point. I do think the the fumble off the punt return—that's when I felt most comfortable. Um, maybe, maybe even the hit from Tristan Cooper, uh, just the series, or I guess that series. Um, but at this point, I mean, yeah, I, I I really liked it. I like him showing his fire, um, just supporting his guys, and yeah, I mean. Definitely some frustration there from the Oregon player. I don't remember who it was. And then, yeah, just Sean Brown just stunting on them. That was just really great right in front of my seats. And, uh, 
really just a dumb penalty, but I mean, they were up big at that point. Yeah. I, uh, I, I actually didn't mind. Um, I even wrote about it in the three up, three down as like two penalties. I did not mind Arizona getting, and that was, uh, Sean, you know, Sean Brown's awesome, uh, pose at the end. Um, after, um, Amadi, who's the, uh, who was the Oregon safety that pushed him down like way late. Um, and then someone yelling about said push down, wanting a late hit and in defending his player. Um, yeah, those, those, I mean, at that point, Arizona was spanking Oregon. So like it doesn't, it didn't really matter. Um, and you know, I thought, I thought that those penalties were fine. Yeah. I was totally down with them too. Um, so, uh, you know, fast forward to the fourth quarter, um, Oregon gets the ball, they come down to the field, uh, Brandon Schooler gets a touchdown, good for the Schooler family, they have their both their sons playing in this game, I'm sure it's tough for them in those situations, you know, one's, one's got to take an L, and, and, um, and so, you know, both of them are accomplished, uh, you know, Division One, Power 5 level uh, athletes and so that's got to be a, a great feeling for both parents to be able to come to those games and support them in their split jerseys and all that and they're real active on social media going to all the games and traveling so kudos to to that family for all their accomplishments um but then so it's 15 uh, 37 you're not really worried about the score but then arizona comes right back down the field and just absolutely shoves the ball down Oregon's throat. It was such an incredible series. It really didn't have any impact on the outcome of the game, um, but it was really fun to watch. Uh, and J.J. Taylor just ran all over Oregon in this next series. So, um, I, you know, I personally enjoyed that. I don't know what you guys thought of us, you know, driving down at that point. Uh, but, you know, with... Uh, you know, you know, three to five minutes left in the game, uh, we rolled down and, and score that last, or you know, between nine and three minutes, so a six, nice six-minute drive. We run down and get that score. Any thoughts on that final scoring drive for the Wildcats? Yeah, so this was the uh, that this was the JJ Taylor run. That touchdown run was the one that uh, Michael Latisse. He was a pulling guard and uh, came out and actually had the block that sprung JJ, and he did a, a, a great job engaging his man. And then uh, when the man turned to uh, pursue JJ, he let him go, so he didn't get the holding penalty. And then, uh, and that's you know, the JJ. one where he pulled out from right guard and swept out to the left side, and he had to catch that guy on the run and get the yeah. edge on him. Right? That yeah, was exactly. a great yep. block. And then uh, JJ did his best sleep at the lake impression. So, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that part. So Michael Lev um, tweeted out that pulling block by Elatise and made a commentary about it. So it, it even caught Lev's eye. And so, um, you know, props. And you and you called that earlier, Brandon. You said, you know, Elatise came in. We were kind of talking about where he was on the depth chart, our expectations of him. And then you were the first one to point out that his run blocking really has been good. It's maybe not his pass blocking that has, has brought him into the lineup until this point. So... Um, you know that was that was great to see, and yeah, he did that flip and landed in the end zone. So that was uh, that was an outstanding moment. Uh, what did you think about that last scoring drive, Gabe? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was just a great way to cap it off, and just one. I, I was really impressed. It was like a five six minute drive just to have one last push down there, and so I think it was just a good way to end the night, and it was just really 
how the game went from start to finish. And I mean, at that point, you know, Oregon's morale has got to be way down in the dumps. And for, like I said before, for a young team like Arizona, just to get as much energy and just excitement and just as much confidence as you can heading into these final three. Now you're fighting for bowl eligibility when after week three, we were unsure if this team would win another game or two. Yeah. Two more games. So, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed that last drive and just thought that it was, Man, it, it, that just really kept off a great night on all three phases, although I guess there's still one more drive at this point to go through. So uh, Oregon gets the ball back, and I think, unless there's something you guys really want to point out on that one, I think it is uh, apropos that it ends with a Herbert incomplete pass. I felt like at this point Oregon had kind of uh, tossed in the – tossed in the, the towel did you guys want to yeah. make any funny comments on that last one yeah i gotta give props to um man i gotta get props to zizi hearn man like he uh you know oregon's what are they down at the five six yard no six yard line you know and they're trying to get a touchdown and everything it's, it's third and goal and herbert runs and tries to get into the end zone and hearn just like smacked him at the one yard line knocked him back and allowed the rest of the team to come and swarm on Herbert and, and excuse me, managed to keep him out of the end zone. And then he throws an incomplete pass, just overthrew the guy. And, you know, Arizona stood, stood up on a goal line stop. So I just want to give props to like the defense still playing hard. Um, pretty much the entire game. Yeah. I think Herbert was pretty clearly shook the whole game. And uh, that was reflection. Yeah, that's a good call on Azizi Hearn. I remember him rolling out. I think it was to the right, and he started to come down. And I was just thinking, well, whatever if he scores. And he just smacked him uh, and stopped him. So you got to like him bringing that kind of intensity late in the game where, you know, maybe someone just pulls up and and doesn't deliver the hit. And to make that – have that determination to stop that score, uh, I think it's a good uh, reflection of his – you know, drive as a player. So, um, listen, I think we belabored the, you know, every single detail of this game, but one, it was an incredible win. Uh, two, we're getting a, two podcasts out basically uh, in a week since we have a Friday night game. Uh, and three, you know, this may be as good as it gets for the season with the possible exception of a nice ASU win. So we might as well enjoy it. Smoke them if you got them, as they say. Yeah.